You're listening to Just a Pinch Podcast with Injector Kristen. Join me and industry experts as we discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the aesthetics, wellness, and fitness industries. Welcome back to part three of my dermal filler series on Just a Pinch with Injector Kristen. Today I'm going to be doing um, a discussion on the aspects of facial balancing with filler, including some of the tools and techniques utilized to achieve an overall balanced result. My goal for you today as a consumer of these products and services is to understand a little bit more of the inside of your injector's brain why we're suggesting certain treatments and areas for you. You know, you might be coming in complaining of one area and it seems like all of a sudden we're spinning the dish on you and we're recommending another area. It's not because we're trying to get you to pay more promise. It's because sometimes we have to treat other areas to target the one that you're concerned with. So this is just a little bit of a deeper dive inside what we're thinking about when we're assessing you for facial balancing with dermal filler. Now, every injector is going to have their own style, their own aesthetic eye, and you need to make sure as a consumer that who you choose to work with shares your aesthetic views. Some of us have a more natural balanced aesthetic, while others may treat in a more exaggerated and augmented way. Ask them to see examples of their work prior to scheduling your actual treatment appointment with them to make sure that you're comfortable with their style and their aesthetic eye. Unless the provider is skilled and willing to treat a spectrum of requests, don't ask somebody who normally treats very naturally to give you an overinflated porno lip uh, and a razor sharp jawline. Just as much as don't ask somebody that only does Russian lips to give you a gentle, subtle result. You're setting yourself up for disappointment and wasted money. So the tools that we most commonly use for filler injection include sharp needles, typically ranging from about a half inch to an inch long, and most commonly ranging in size from 30 gauge, think like Botox needle size, to as big as a 25 gauge needle or sometimes even bigger. Think more along the lines of a a blood draw needle. There's good and bad that comes with each size and your injector is going to choose your needle based upon the product that they're using and where it's being injected. We also very commonly use blunt cannulas. A cannula looks a little bit like a needle to the untrained eye, but it's actually not sharp. So the tip of it doesn't cut through your tissue like a needle does. A cannula requires you to first make a poke hole entry site with a sharp needle. That cannula will then enter the skin through that poke hole. I personally like to numb the skin with a little injection of lidocaine with epinephrine prior to my pilot hole poke. Makes it more comfortable and also decreases risk of bleeding and bruising by a little bit. Once that cannula is in the tissue of the face or treatment area, it can then glide and slide through your tissue pretty gently, and this cuts down on risks of intravascular injection, bleeding, bruising, and tissue trauma. And it's a great tool um, that you can use for fanning filler into larger areas. It's not pain-free, but it's oftentimes fairly comfortable, and sometimes you really can't even feel it, and other times it can feel a little bit pinchy if it tickles past a nerve muscle or is in a tight space. When used properly um, and you've been really appropriately trained on how to use these cannulas, you can use them almost on every plane of tissue, deep on bone as well as subcutaneous. Now you can't use a cannula for intradermal injections though. That layer is too dense and um, it won't slide through it. So that's where needles are really best as well. So what is facial balancing? 
Facial balancing is treating the face as a whole instead of treating a singular area with tunnel vision. The goal with facial balancing is to place filler in different structural areas of the face to quite literally balance the size and shape of the different parts of the face so that no one area overpowers another. We don't want to augment somebody's cheeks, cheeks and lips while leaving their recessed chin and jaw alone. Uh, we'll end up making it look very strange and actually draw attention to that non-treated area. Now, every face is different, but there are generally accepted standards of facial balance. And some injectors will quite literally pull out rulers and protractors, measuring, marking, and injecting based on angles and proportions. Some will simply use their own aesthetic eye, and some will use a blend of all those different assessment techniques. I personally like to draw on my patients. Um, I use a little white eyeliner pencil to mark out my general plan prior to injecting. I'll mark out landmarks, no-fly zones, uh, major blood vessels, nerves, areas of volume loss. I don't use rulers or protractors uh, as I want to really continue to develop my own aesthetic eye and not get lost in the numbers. Um, I really want to look at the individual face and not just measurements. Uh, now, common areas of injection during a facial balancing session could include areas such as the temples, the cheeks, mid-face, the preauricular space, uh, that's the area that sits right in front of the ear, the gonial angle, which is also your jawbone angle, kind of back towards the, your ear area, the general jawline, chin, the pre-jowl sulcus, uh, that area is kind of what sits between your jowl fat and your chin. Uh, and the nasolabial folds and the piriform fossa. The piriform fossa is, tends to be a little flat area right at the edge of your nose, and that's kind of the top part of the nasolabial fold. Now, lips can also be a part of facial balancing, but those really need to be addressed last in the order of importance. Temples can sometimes be the neglected stepchild of the face. Uh, we commonly lose fat in this area and it can create sometimes very deep hollows and this can cause the brows to droop and even affect the cheek, the mid face, and the jawline. I love treating temples with Sculptra, uh, but HA fillers are also very commonly used here as well. And sometimes you'll need to place that filler deep on bone with a needle, and other times you're gonna use a little blunt cannula and fan that filler in a little bit more superficially. Now, cheeks are addressed in multiple areas, and I like to think of the entire cheek as a whole unit with the entire mid-face. And we need to assess and potentially treat the lateral cheekbone, the apex or the apple of the cheek, that's a really important spot, the anterior cheek, and the submalar area, kind of below the peaks of the cheeks. And treating these areas can actually help give a slimmer appearance to the face when volume deficient. And it can make it look a little bit more lifted and give you overall more youthful V-shape to your face. Now, we cannot neglect that pre-auricular space in front of the ear and the mid-face when there's volume loss, or else you're gonna end up looking really sunken and skeletal with these big projection of cheeks and just kind of lacking all the support below it. My preference is first to use Sculpture in those areas because it's not going to give a big bulk to the area. Uh, it's going to be more smoothing. But when we can't use Sculptra or we're just choosing not to, a medium strength filler does the job just fine with the goal of creating gentle transitions between the anatomical bony areas of the face. Now moving on to the jawline. I like to look at the jawline as a whole unit that includes the chin as well. And so we start off by assessing that gonial angle, the corner angle of the back of the jaw. It tends to be more sharp in men and a little more sloping in women. Now, there was 
not so much anymore, thank goodness, but there really was an epidemic for some time of seeing these really overdone, like razor blade sharp jaw lines and an overdone gonial angle on women. And in my opinion, it looked awful and just horrifically fake. Jawline contouring and I mean, balancing in any way should really be subtle to the point where it's not obvious that you've had work done to somebody who's just met you. I mean, it really goes for all areas, not just the jaw here. Now, if somebody has a weak gonial angle, we can improve it with Sculptra, Radius, or different HA fillers. I like to treat the preauricular space in front of the ear when treating the gonial angle as well. I find that really truly does give the best outcome. Now, the entire jawline doesn't require filler, like along the entire length. That can make the jaw heavy and artificial looking. We want to assess patients for areas of volume loss that need support. That's often going to include the prejowl sulcus. Now, nearly every patient that I assess needs some level of support in this area. And it's the area that sits between your jowl and your chin. And it often needs deep support on bone, as well as more superficial support in that subcutaneous space, just to help smooth and support the mouth and reduce shadowing. And the jaw is typically best treated with a mix of blunt cannula as well as sharp needle injections. Now, moving down to the chin. Chins come in all shapes and sizes. And for those with larger chins, we oftentimes want to balance it with a little bit of posterior jaw, cheek, temple, lip, so it doesn't feel like it's an overwhelming feature. And for those with small or recessed chins, we need to add volume in a few target areas deep on the bone with a sharp needle to quite literally build you a chin and make sure it's projecting at the right angles. Sometimes the chin's gonna need to project downward more, other times more anterior and forward. I like to balance the chin with the nose and the lips for ref reference lines. Uh, a male chin is going to tend to be wider and more square, and a female chin is going to be more narrow and more pointed in the center. And then off of that, there's a multitude of variations. Uh, there's, I'll also sometimes use a blunt cannula at the chin. Um, every patient's anatomy is very different, and my approach changes based on a multitude of those factors. The piriform fossa and nasolabial fold areas are next, and there's a bit of mild controversy on how you treat this area. So this is a naturally occurring fold that runs from the corner of our nose downwards, sometimes as low as the corner of the mouth. And the depth and the position can vary widely amongst different ethnicities and then also just individuals. Now, some providers will literally never ever fill this area. They're going to say that it's a result of cheek and mid-face volume and collagen loss and will only treat those other areas. Other injectors will say, well, yes, it's definitely important to treat those areas first. We do still need to treat some of the deeper nasolabial folds or you know, deep volume loss in that piriform fossa. Um, there's also injectors that put a blindfold on and don't even bother assessing the mid-face first and just treat that area because that's the area the patient complains about. Don't do that. Um, I ride the thought process of, of course, we will absolutely treat that nasolabial fold if and when it's appropriate, but only once the mid-face is volume appropriate as well. If you just fill that lower face, so that mid-low face, think marionette lines, that pre-jowl sulcus, nasolabial fold, when the upper and mid-face is completely sunken and hollow and sagging, you're gonna look really bottom heavy and very strange. Don't do that either. There's a lot of mixed techniques that can be used with the nasolabial fold. Needles and cannulas are my go-tos. Um, if there's genuine loss of volume, I really like to use Sculptra or an HA filler with cannula to revolumize. 
Um, if it's just more of a little superficial crease without major volume loss, I'll use a tiny needle to place micro droplets of filler in and around that line to support the skin strength and help erase that line a little bit. Uh, I know this isn't about threads, but smooth PDO threads are also sometimes a really great, great choice there. Now, the piriform fossa is that thumbprint-sized area at the top of the fold at the base of the nostril. And this area is technically higher risk to treat, and there's some differing opinions on how to treat it. Some go in deep on bone with a needle and bolus filler to lift the area. Others will choose to go deep on bone, but with a cannula to decrease the risk of vascular occlusion. Um, I've done, and I do both, depending on the patient and honestly how I'm feeling that day. The entirety of the nasolabial fold is a risky area in itself. Uh, there's some real feisty blood vessels that run right underneath it that ultimately lead to the eyes. So there is a risk of blindness with this area in worst case scenario. Now some patients that want their lips augmented will also need minor or major facial balancing to achieve the optimal overall look. It's less than ideal to augment somebody's lips while leaving their chin recessed or jawline unsupported and cheeks falling onto their nasolabial folds. The lips also include that whole perioral area and the oral commissures or the corners of the mouth and the upper ergotroid area kind of above the lip. While I don't often see genuine volume loss above the lip, it does happen every once in a while. Um, so I really I try to avoid putting filler in that area because it can end up making the face look really puffy and fake. Um, when I do choose to treat, like if I'm doing pucker lines, filler is not my go-to for pucker lines. It's truly not. Um, but if and when I do find that it is the most appropriate thing, I use a tiny needle and micro droplets only, uh, never just a general filling. You'll find a range of injectors ranging from, okay, you want your lips done? Cool, let's do it. And they won't even take into consideration the rest of your, your facial anatomy. Um, there's also injectors that say, okay, but if we did X, Y, and Z, you'd also have a much better outcome. And then there's also those injectors that will flat out refuse to fill your lips unless the other areas are also addressed. Uh, and it's truly at the discretion of the injector and the practice for how they wanna do business and treat patients. Of course, you also have to consent to that treatment and you have the ability to say no, uh, but you as the patient also have to realize that some practices may decide not to treat you because you are not agreeing to following their laid out treatment plan. And unlike the emergency department, we are under no obligation to treat you. Now, when it comes to lip fillers, you're gonna see a wide variety of styles, techniques, everything. Uh, sharp needles and blunt cannulas can be used in the lips and it really depends upon your anatomy and goals. My general rule of thumb when it comes to filling lips is to respect the anatomy. When you fill lips to the tipping point, the filler is gonna have to go somewhere and it's not gonna just stay in the lip tissue. It's gonna migrate out of that lip, it's gonna go into the surrounding tissue, it's gonna make the lips look puffy and misshapen. Uh, you'll also find that it gets a little bit hard to lift the lips. Um, the lips have certain areas in them called tubercles, and these tubercles are where and how your lips get most of their volume or lack thereof. And they truly need to be the focus of the injection of the lips. Uh, your lips are, are not just blindly filled. It's not like a paint by number where we're just taking filler and literally just filling in your lip. We're using different little struts and boluses and uh, I mean the angles, the placement, it's so meticulous. And it's being placed really strategically to give your lips the most natural shape while smoothing, hydrating, and augmenting. Now, lips tend to be the most common area that I personally say, nope, no more, you're full to patients. 
Remember that if your injector says no, it's very likely for your own benefit. They're not profiting from saying no. Um, so also question the injector that never says no. Um, I could go on forever about lips, but I'm going to do a deep dive combo on lips for another episode. So that's facial balancing in a nutshell. Quick, easy little episode here. So like I said in the beginning, my goal was to make you understand a little bit more about what goes on inside your injector's head, just a little bit more, um, and why we're recommending certain areas of treatment for you. And when you come to us with one concern, and now all of a sudden we're talking to you about something that seems unrelated to you, I promise it does circle back and it all connects. Every single part of your face, every anatomic structure affects the other areas. So we really do truly have to look at your face as a whole and not as just individual features. We're trying to address your concerns in the absolute best anatomical way possible to give you the best outcome and honestly exceed your expectations. Question the injector that doesn't question you and just does exactly what you ask them to. They're the expert. That's why you're coming to them in the first place. Trust the process, and if you're seeing a well-trained professional, they're going to guide you in the most appropriate direction to help you achieve your goals, and like I said, hopefully even exceed them. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Just a Pinch Podcast with Injector Kristen. Just a Pinch Podcast was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Kristen Gem.